welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike Luciano. Mike, how are you doing on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon? I am doing fantastic. Thank you very much. I mean, you know, a lot better than... Uh... A lot better than I was a couple days ago. I'll say that much for you. That's good. Uh, so yeah, let's just uh, let's just do a <laughs> you, were, quick... you were doing rough. You were doing rough a few days ago, so that's that's pretty good. I'm glad. I mean, uh, how could you not? How could you not? I mean, that was that was hard to watch. So, yeah. uh, Justin, I got a question for you. What what is your question, Mike? You ready to talk Jets? Oh, of course, I'm always ready to talk Jets. We got a great show coming up, as always, as we always do. We're going to try and fix the Jets' offense because there is a lot broken right now, and I'm not just talking about Zach Wilson, not just talking about the quarterback position. There's a lot to dive into there. We're going to talk about what is the plan at quarterback if Zach Wilson continues to struggle, and even if he doesn't struggle, who are the Jets going to bring in? When are they going to assign somebody? Because the assumption is still that they will bring someone in. Who is it going to be? When is that happening? We're talking about that. And, of course, Mike, it's Patriots week. So we're talking all things Jets-Patriots. We are previewing week three. We're talking all about this Jets offense, the quarterback position. But first, Mike, you got something to tell us. Yes, I do have something to tell us. And I got a message from our friends over at Caesar Sportsbook. How about that? Caesar Sportsbook is kicking off the NFL season with a new bet 50. Get $250 in bonus bets, limited time offer. New users can sign up with our code FSBETS20. Get so B-E-T-S-20-G-E-T and redeem 250 bucks in bonus bets after your first wager of $50 on any NFL game. Even if your first bet loses, you'll get the bonus each week over the next five weeks. Not bad, I got to say. So make sure to enter our code FSBETS20GET while signing up to have a bet on Caesars every week for the start of the season. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts. That's where we are. We are also on YouTube and TikTok at the Jet Press for both of them. Make sure you subscribe on both of them too. I mean, TikTok's really been blowing up lately. So if you are of that persuasion, feel free to check that out. But Justin, let's dive right into, we're going to be morticians this week. We're going to do autopsies. We're going to figure out just what in the good name of Lord Jesus happened to the New York Jets against the Dallas Cowboys. Because even if you're grading on a curve and you're saying, well, it's the Dallas Cowboys, that's a loaded defense, perhaps the best in the league, some are saying, even though I don't think they've really played a quarterback that's going to test them early on with Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson. I think it's certainly one of the best in the league. I, I, even if you want to do that, you know what? That was still there was, It was tough to watch at points. We've gone back and forth about Zach Wilson trading, you know, how much of the blame pie he deserves. I think I, I gave him a little bit more than I think Justin and seemingly a lot of other Jets voices have. I just was frustrated watching 12 of 27 again. But even if you take Wilson out of it, this offense was absolutely horrendous, pretty much from the jump. Couldn't get anything running. I mean, Brees Hall had nine yards rushing. Dalvin Cook had nine and a fumble. Wilson was their leading rusher with 36. And anytime that happens, you're screwed. I don't care what else is going on. Offensive line looked college level. And I don't want to just sound like hokey WFAN guy because blame the offensive line is very easy. It's a very easy scapegoat, especially when there's a young quarterback and sometimes the pressures can be invited because of him because he holds the ball too long. We've discussed that in the past. But that was just, I don't care if you had Tom Brady back there. They just weren't blocking guys. 
And there's Micah Parsons, sure, and there's Dorrance Armstrong. They got players. That's not the problem. That was just unwatchable at points. Dwayne Brown looked like he was 62, let alone 38. That was brutal. Now, I think Brown's obviously going to get the start week three because, I mean, he's a proven veteran, a borderline Hall of Famer, going back to his time with Houston and Seattle. Robert Sala is going to give him a chance to kind of correct things and get back on the right track. If he doesn't, I think you really got to consider an offensive line change. And the one that's been floating around on Jets Twitter a lot, honestly, it makes a ton of sense, which has been move Becton back to left tackle, which is his natural position as opposed to right tackle, which I don't like switching guys middle of the year, especially Mackay Becton and his bones that are made out of peanut brittle that break all the time. and cause All him to right, get hurt. man. All right. I mean, would, has, he proven, has he proven me wrong yet? He's, 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 played two, he's played through two games so far this season. I'm excited to see what he can do. What, what do you want, a cookie? Two games? Look, man, look, man. <laughs> he's got some bad luck, all right? We yeah. can play Greg Van Roth. All right, so anyway, Becton goes to goes to left tackle. Uh, right tackle, I'm not in the Max Mitchell or Billy Turner business. I think it's Elijah Vera Tucker at right tackle time, and I think that you have to throw Titman then in at – right guard and even though lake and tomlinson and Connor mcgovern are by no means secure in their jobs because they were both very poor uh tomlinson i think more so mcgovern's a pretty good lineman who had a bad game tomlinson's i think continuing a very bad 2022 season uh you got to give this line i think one more week i think new england will be a good test but if something doesn't change before you play kansas city whose defense has looked amazing so far and chris jones who's a complete game wrecker i think you got to pull the plug and try something different I, I agree. I also agree with giving the line at least another week, which that does seem to be the plan. That's what Robert Sala said today, that they are not considering any offensive line changes at this time. I'm going to throw a lot of the blame for what happened on Sunday in the coaching staff. And that is going to be a common trend when I'm talking about what I would do to change this Jets offense, because as much as the offensive line did struggle and as much as, you know, we, we know Zach Wilson isn't Aaron Rodgers out there, I think the Jets coaching staff set them up for failure on Sunday in so many ways, specifically when we're talking about the offensive line, because they knew what they had coming up. They knew exactly what their what their challenge was. The Dallas Cowboys are one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Michael Parsons is one of the most unstoppable, unblockable players in the league. They knew exactly what they had to prepare for. In fact, there was a report from Diana Rossini from The Athletic. It was This was dating back to last week. I think it was like Friday it was reported that Jets offensive line coach Keith Carter spent extra hours preparing a game plan <laughs> to block these this Cowboys pass rush. She's like, all right. That's we Adam Gase on Thanksgiving before the 0-11 Bengals blew him out. Yes, it is. And so many people pointed that out on Twitter. And I'm glad they did because that's exactly what it reminded me of. Because Maybe after, the coaches need to work less hard. Apparently working too many hours is killing them. So Clearly clearly, it doesn't yield better results because what we saw on Sunday was an embarrassment. And it's even more embarrassing knowing how much extra effort they put into it because their plan for stopping Micah Parsons was let's leave him on an island alone with a 38-year-old left tackle coming off major sh- shoulder surgery and someone who missed the entire summer, and we're going to leave him on an island for 14 snaps on Sunday. 14 snaps, that's, mo- like, that's more than most uh, left tackles would be asked to, to handle Micah Parsons alone. We're talking alone. No chip help. Like There's no tight end staying in the chip. There's no running back on that side chipping. There's no double team with a left guard. No help. On an island alone, they asked Dwayne Brown to do that. So as much as we can sit here and say, yeah, Dwayne Brown had a bad game, because he did. He was really bad in that game. They also set him up for failure. In no scenario should Dwayne Brown or any left tackle, really, unless you got like Trent Williams over there, 
should any left tackle be asked to do what Dwayne Brown had to do on Sunday? So as much as I'm like, yeah, he was bad. And I know it's very easy to call for, for him not to start, put some context on it because the dude was set up for failure. I mean, the entire offensive line struggled, not a single one of them had a good game. Like they were all bad, but again, I think so much of it was the coaching staff. So much of it was just, they did not play to the Jets strengths on offense. They played right into Dallas's strengths on defense. And I could go on a, a lot of rants and I will go on a lot of rants today about Nathaniel Hackett, because I think he's done a very poor job through two games, specifically in that Cowboys game. I thought he was, he was awful, like genuinely awful. I thought Dan Quinn basically whooped him. Uh, and so I'd love to dive more into that, but just talking about the offensive line there, I agree with them not making a change yet. I don't think it's warranted. I would love to see a better offensive game plan. And that starts with not leaving Dwayne Brown on an Island alone against one of the best players in football. I got another bone to pick with this coaching staff. Personnel wise. I mean, we went, we went over Brees Hall, Dalvin cook. I think they'll probably seen the light on that and Hall will probably get more touches Oh, this week we'll see if he does anything with him because you know I've again limited times last week but not much going there. Uh, I have one big bone to pick, tight end wise. Yes, CJ Uzama. All right, wh- what do you do? What does he do on this <laughs> team? I, I I can't find it. Like, is he because he's funny and he's got green hair and he's like this big you know goofy guy? That's be be why you would employ him. A wonderful human being. Seems oh, like, yeah, he seems oh, like a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't block Micah Parsons with your wonderful charm and good humor. And I'm not saying – look, Jeremy Rucker probably would have gotten his lunch eaten by Micah Parsons too. But part of the reason that Rucker was drafted where he was, because it was not his receiving, because Ohio State, even though he threw the ball a lot, that was all the receivers. They did not use the tight end as a receiver as much as that some of the other top tight ends were used. So the entire reason that Rucker was – picked that high and valued that high was that he's a tremendous blocker. I mean, some might argue he might've been the best blocking tight end in that class. And they're just refusing to put him out there to block. Like if anything, you think that'd be a good spot for him. I want to see one of two things happen. Cause if you don't want to give up, if you want to give Uzama the Brown treatment, which I feel like they might, you know, one more week to kind of get in order, at least maybe make Rucker the fullback or something instead of Nick Bauden. That'd be my thought because I, I just don't see a way that the Jets can sell me on leaving Ruckert on the bench and then say, all right, you know what? We think that the running game is going to work against a very tough front seven, against a very tough defense. I mean, you saw Miami. Week one, they put up a bajillion points, and they had to struggle to get to 24 against New England. I mean, they're, they're still no joke. Bill Belichick's going to have Zach Wilson in a headlock passing-wise, so this running game is going to have to carry this team. But I don't see Ruckert out there. I mean, we already didn't think much of Hackett. I mean, we're happy that Hackett got Aaron Rodgers, and that was why they hired him, you know, before we knew what would happen to him. So I get why they did it. But now we got to critique Hackett as an offensive coordinator. And based on his results without Rodgers, not looking very good. Hey, man, I think I showed you this before we went live. But for those watching, I guess if you're listening, this doesn't do much. But oh, yeah, the audio listeners are loving this. This. Yeah, this. this is not great podcast material, but this came in the mail for me yesterday. My Jeremy Ruckert jersey, all right? Get this man on the field. He needs to be playing more. Robert Sala said it today, I believe, that he agrees. He needs to be playing more. Mike, do you know who the, the highest graded run blocking tight end per PFF is in the NFL so far this season? Well, the way you're asking it, I'm imagining it's Ruckert. I'll tell you, it's not C.J. Ozama. It is Jeremy Ruckert. Jeremy Ruckert is the highest PFF run block rate of any tight end through two weeks this season. Mike, another question, follow-up question. Okay. You, know who had the, you know which tight end out of 79 tight ends? This was before Monday night. So C.J. Ozama. 
<laughs> let, me get, let me get the question. Out of 79 tight ends, had the lowest PFF run block grade on Sunday? I, I, I will again say C.J. Uzama. You will again be correct because it is C.J. Uzama. I don't understand what the Jets' game plan here was. Ruckert played, I believe, 18 snaps in week one. They ran all over that Bills defense. And I know as Robert Sala said today, praising the offensive line for how they played against the Bills. So much of it was also, one, they ran to the right side of the offensive line, which we'll talk about in a moment, which they barely did against the Cowboys. They did a total of twice against the Cowboys. They not only did that, but they utilized three tight ends. More specifically, they got Jeremy Ruckert on the field. And when he was on the field, running lanes were open. Almost every single time he was executing his block in ways that CJ Ozama is just not doing right now. They're lining up CJ Ozama at wide receiver. Instead of giving snaps to Nicole Harbin and Xavier Gibson, they're putting CJ Ozama, who I'm just about as fast as. And it's again, no shot at CJ Ozama, who has a role in the NFL, right? He seems like a wonderful guy. Does but- he? Because I feel like blocking tight end is his role, and he's struggling at that. He shouldn't be taking wide receiver snaps away from Nicole Hardman, and he sure as hell shouldn't be taking run block snaps at tight end away from Jeremy Rucker. Rucker should be a tight end, too, at this stage. I, I've seen nothing that says contrary to that. Uh, and I think if they're going to have any success against New England, which we're going to talk about later, they're going to have to run the football. They're going to have to get Jeremy Ruckert on the field. He should be getting more snaps than Uzama. He should be playing a lot more than five snaps. It's not just because I have his jersey. It's not because I played against him in high school. I think I've talked about that before. It's because he is the best run-blocking tight end on his team. And honestly, through two weeks, he's one of the best run-blocking tight ends in the NFL. So I'm with you there. Jeez, I didn't know you played against Rucker. Yeah, that was Lindenhurst, baby. Lindenhurst. Was- even though I wasn't on the team at this point, I remember Quentin Nelson was at a school when when I was there. And I remember yes. he blocked a guy so hard once he broke his arm with a block. I'm like, oh my goodness, just yeah, that sounds the force about of his right. arm. I always like every time I think of like the best offensive lineman, I just think of like what they must have done in high school. Like how insane. Oh, was my God. <laughs> like Quentin Nelson in high school is not fair. Like that's Rucker was a wide receiver when, when we played against him, my team. He was a wide receiver. And he was like he was a sophomore. I was a senior. He was a sophomore. And he was probably already like six one, like probably 180, 185 and playing him at wide receiver as a sophomore. He was nuts. Like he was absolutely nuts. She was. Yeah. The, now he's a blocking tight end. <laughs> Go, going on to our Hackett discussion, too, I've, I'm going to invoke the ghosts of some names that Jets fans don't like here, but the, the co- biggest complaint I've had with guys like Adam Gase and Mike LaFleur and everybody else in the graveyard of Jets offensive coordinator, Jeremy Bates, and even though John Moore and I thought was actually the one who was okay, and I thought he got fired yeah. a little bit too early. Agreed. Yeah, Josh McCown cooking for a little bit, but if you look at the whole graveyard of all those coordinators, the biggest thing that keeps coming up is – a lack of identity. Like, it just looked like with Adam Gase, it was like, all right, that play didn't work. Let's try uh, this one. All right, well, it didn't work. Let's try that one. Like, it, there was no cohesion. It was just experimentation. LaFleur, I think, tried to do that. Obviously, he was handicapped because, you know, Wilson in his rookie year especially just wasn't equipped to run an NFL offense. So he was kind of limited there. But at the end with him, it just felt like, well, that didn't work. Try this. Like, Hackett, I know that he's a Rodgers guy and he won, you know, Rogers won MVPs with Hackett, but all through before that, he was, you know, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Leonard Fournette, the running back coach, the running game guy. And I don't see any sort of commitment to the running game. And if any team in the league right now, maybe outside of Baltimore or maybe Atlanta, should be committed to the running game, it's the Jets. It's not the sexiest way to win. It's literally the only possible way they can win. They cannot win games with Zach Wilson getting into shootouts with his arm. It is impossible at this point. And they know it. 
And yet they didn't even try to really create. I know they got down and were throwing it later, but I mean, I know they didn't have the ball a ton and Dallas down in possession, but I saw no creative run designs. I saw no commitment to the run. It was really bizarre. For as complex as Nathaniel Hackett's offense supposedly is, I've seen a very simple offense through two weeks. And obviously, look, I know they have a quarterback that they did not, did not expect to be playing at quarterback right now. That's part of it. They have simplified the offense a little bit for Zach Wilson. That being said, you got to do more. Like, it's the most, I, I, it's a very, I, I hate when people throughout the world, like, oh, they need to be more creative on offense. Like, they need to, to do more, like, people say, like, trick plays and shit. No, no, they don't need to, do, need to do trick plays. They need to get guys in motion. They need to have some sort of east west threat basically and that's what Nicole Hardman is here for that's why you signed him to be that guy I mean they signed Nicole Hardman back in March and said hey we're gonna give you an expanded role he played over 50 percent of snaps for a team that won the freaking Super Bowl last year and he can't get on the field for this Jets wide receiver core what are we doing here that doesn't make any sense and I'm glad you brought up the ground game because I want to talk about the running backs and I look I, I think I've shit on Dalvin Cook a lot uh not only before you know not only before the Jets signed them but over the last few days on Twitter, I, I've definitely said some things about him, but he's bad. <laughs> like, I'll just come out right and say that he's been really bad through two weeks. And I know it's a small sample size. I understand that. And look, I will also be the first to say he did miss the entire summer with the Jets. He, he's recovering from, from a shoulder injury. I get that. I fully understand that. That being said, he's been really bad through two weeks and he was really bad last year. I would love to see not only Brees Hall get more of those carries, but hell at this stage, give Michael Carter those carries. Because Dalvin Cook ranks among the least efficient running backs in football. I, I tweeted this stat out before, uh, and it's it just shows the, the disparity between Brees and Dalvin Cook. Brees Hall, far and away, and again, this is going to be using rushing yards over expected. It's not a perfect stat, but I'm just going to use it for my argument here because, again, this is another stat that Dalvin Cook ranked, ranked dead last in the NFL in last season. Dal uh, Brees Hall ranks first in the NFL by a mile in rushing yards over expected per attempt. I believe it's like 5.8. Next best is Austin Eckler at like 3.4. Nobody else even above three. Obviously, Brees had a couple of long runs. That kind of skews that data a little bit. But still, that's incredibly impressive. Dalvin Cook is like 41st out of 45 running backs. He has negative 29 rushing yards over expected through two games. I'm pretty sure he had like negative 50 all last season. He's already at negative 29 through two games. He's been really, really, really bad. And I'm not like, if you're not a numbers guy, literally turn on his tape from 2021. Watch Dalvin Cook in 2021. Watch him in 2020. Dude was one of the most explosive running backs in the NFL. That's gone. Like, he's just not that guy anymore. And unfortunately, we're seeing the other issue with Dalvin Cook and in that he was never a guy who, like, he was always a mistake-prone running back. He always has had a fumble issue. He's always had issues with drops. He's not great in pass protection. And we're already seeing that with the Jets. He had a crucial fumble against the Cowboys. He was always in the past able to make up for that. He was able to overcome those deficiencies because he was such a dynamic and explosive running back. He was one of the best running backs in football for a while. Unfortunately, he just doesn't have that anymore. And so now, basically what you're left with is a low-end RB2 who, who fumbles and who has drop issues and is not good in pass protection. The Jets continue to use him on short yardage. Meanwhile, he's never been good at short yardage, even in, even in Minnesota. That was never his thing. He was never a short yardage running back. Give those carries to Brees Hall. And I talked about this before, you know, I said this, I think, on the, the the post show. Even if Brees Hall is on a limited snap count, which Robert Sala did say today that they hope to get Brees Hall more touches this week, that they're going to continue to ease him more into the offense. Please, please do. But even if he is on a limited snap count, use him in important situations. Don't run him on first and 10. Mike, you know the four touches that Brees Hall 
had in that game against the Cowboys. They came on first and 10, first and 10, second and 10, and second and 10. Why? Why, why not use them on third and two? Get them in the important plays on the few plays that you run in Cowboys territory. Do that. The, 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 the furthest yard line that he touched the ball on in that Cowboys game was his own 32. What is this? What is this game plan? What are we doing? Like you could say, oh, yeah, what other opportunities do the Jets have to run the ball? Sure, you can make that argument, but give Brees Hall the important touches. Don't give him the Dalvin Cook. Don't give him the Michael Carter. Let Brees Hall cook. Let Brees Hall be the guy. And even if he's not going to get 20 carries, give him the important carries. I, I'm, I am frustrated with the thing. Do they just not view him as like a short yardage guy? Because, I mean, even though he's big, he doesn't really run like a like a big running back. He runs more like Dalvin Cook. Yeah, he, he does. I I don't know what it is. I mean, they don't have a true short yardage back on their roster, which, again, is part of, partially what made the Cook signing weird. Honestly, Zonovan Knight was probably the best short yardage back. If you, I mean, I would say Brees Hall is better at that. He's just better at a lot of things. But in terms of, like, a, if you're looking for a specialist in that, I think Knight is better than Cook and, Zon, and Michael Carter in short yardage. Carter would be better if he was bigger. Like, that's his only – detriment to me in short yardage situations because he's a tough as hell runner like he's a, he's a tough runner and on that in pass protection too i think he's like technically like technically sound talking like i think he's the best pass blocking back on the team he's just small which that hurts him so I, if, if it's not him i'd probably say it's breeze because cook is not a good pass blocker yet on third down guess who's in there it's either michael carter or, or, or dalvin cook i don't understand the personnel usage if, if i could give hackett if i could tell him to watch one other team this week so I was going back around watching the All-22 for everything else. I'm looking at Atlanta, who has another core. Although I like Desmond Ritter a lot, I think he, right now Desmond Ritter is a very limited passer. I think he'll be good eventually, but right now they got to work around him. They ran the ball, I think, 44 times. Bijan Robinson looked great. Tyler Algier looked great as a change of pace. Ritter got involved. Like they, they know their quarterback can't win the game with his arm alone. They have, I think, a pretty – like, the offensive line is okay over there. They got Chris Lindstrom, and then they got, you know, a couple other guys that are okay. Like, it's an okay to good offensive line, a little bit better than the Jets. But Packers knew they were running. Falcons knew they had to run. And they did it because they were creative. They were committed. They have got – like, the Jets have good run blockers. I think the pass protection, another issue. Actually, that right side. That right, right side's good. Line. Like, they yeah. kept doing it over and over again, and they kept executing. Why couldn't the Jets do that? They Number one, they didn't try a, a ton. And when they did, they're like, all right, that didn't work, which is what Gase did. He would give up on things too quickly. Yep. I mean, again, I, he's not that bad, Hackett, I don't think. Because, again, this is, you know, what's he supposed to do when your quarterback is this much of a downgrade from what you expected? Like, it, it's tough. I get it. I don't know. if, if Even, again, I don't even know if this year can be the biggest indictment on his coaching ability because – like all four plays into the season, he was drowning without a life preserver. Hard to really you know work around that, but there's ways to improve. Yes, and if he doesn't take them, then you got to start asking questions about Hackett. Uh, I think that's what's most frustrating to me is how many like obvious things I would do to fix this offense because we can sit here and be like, yeah, Zach Wilson should play better, but we can't fix that. What we can do, like what the Jets can do, is put their players in positions to succeed on offense. I want to get to a comment. I don't know if you were ready to do the same thing, but I'm going to get to a comment here from Jimmy in chat. Uh, he said, Brees was omitted in short yard situations. They called a QB sneak. Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up. A QB sneak on a yard and a half instead of giving the ball to their best running back. Zach Wilson is not a good QB sneaker. He's not. He never had. He wasn't at BYU. He has shown through three years in the NFL. That's not his thing, whether it's his small frame, whatever it is. 
He's not good in that in that situation. That's why the Jets struggle with sneaks. They've struggled a lot with Zach Wilson because that's not his thing. Not to mention a yard and a half. That was like over a yard when they called that sneak. Give the ball to Brees. Give it to Brees. Like just give him the ball. Mike, the Jets ran 10 designed running plays on uh on Sunday. You know, any of them went to the right side of the offensive line. Their strength, Elijah Bear Tucker, Mackay Becton, two. Two. Each of those plays gained six yards. And then they didn't do it again. Why? It's just, it's simple. And not to mention, Micah Parsons predominantly lined up opposite Dwayne Brown on the left side. Like, it's, it's like, this is not hard. Did they just not think he was a good run defender? Like, oh, if we run at Parsons, that'll neutralize him? Like, I, I don't know. And then, he, and then he blew up the play and Dalvin Cook and forced the fumble. Like, I, I have no Micah idea. Parsons can run defend. I don't know if that's what they thought. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. And again, it, it's sim- it's silly for me to say here and, and sit here and say that I would do a better job as an office coordinator than Nathaniel Hackett because I'm not an NFL coach. It's oh, no, fun. I'm a moron. Don't listen to me. Yeah, I'm an idiot as well. Like, we're idiots. But if we can sit here, if two idiots can sit here and say, well, why didn't they do all of this? these things that clearly worked, the numbers show they worked, and then they stopped doing it and tried to do the things that didn't work. If we can point that out, something is wrong. Like, something is maybe, very, Maybe very Keith wrong. Carter was, like, delirious from staying up too long, and he had all these crazy ideas. <laughs> I have no idea. I, they, they are like they're just putting their offensive linemen in positions to fail. They're running behind the weakest part of the offensive line. They're not getting their best blockers on the field. They're be, they're telegraphing their offense by not setting up any pre-snap motion, by not even threatening downfield in any way at all. They're not even pretending to have a guy like Nicole Hardman on the field and saying, maybe we'll throw to him. Instead, they're putting C.J. Uzama in the slot. They're sending Alan Lazard on go-routes where he's not going to win. One of the plays early on where they had trips to one side and C.J. Uzama was – like on the right-hand side, I think one of the corners matched up on him. It's like, yeah. why is Uzama there? Why, right. What threat does he have there? He's running a speed out. Oh, CJ Uzama's running a speed out. What are we doing? Like, what, what's, what is that? What is, it's the like line when, must like, be drawn here. Right. It's like, when, it's like when Greg Roman was putting 300-pound Patrick Ricard in the slot. Like, what, what are we doing? We, what, why are you doing this? Honestly, Greg Roman, I think, might be better for this team now than Hackett. He might be. You'd have a better running game, I'll tell you that. You would absolutely have a better running game. If it, yeah, if everywhere he's gone, he's had a running game. Yeah. He can't throw the ball to save his life. But it, I mean, it, it just it really bothers me. I don't know why it bothers me as much as it does, Like, because I'm not really bothered. I'm not particularly bothered by how Zach Wilson has played through two games. I think he's been better than last year. I think he's been bad overall, but I think he's shown improvements in important areas. What is, whether it's going to mean anything, I don't know. I know you might disagree. There's that phrase again, better than last year. Not hard. It's because the expectations are so low with him. Like, I don't have any expectations with Zach Wilson. I don't expect him to play like an NFL quarterback. So if he does, cool. That's a good thing. Nothing to think hack it. I at least expect to be an NFL caliber offensive coordinator like you'd hope. He has plenty of experience doing it, even if he hasn't necessarily had the, the strongest track record. And there's just so many very obvious things that they could be doing to change it. I don't know, man. Look, it's two weeks. They have plenty of time to turn things around. I just, that game plan against the Cowboys, honestly, both sides of the ball. And I'm not going to give too much shit to Robert Sala and Jeff over it because I think overall they've done a really good job of the defense. But Mike McCarthy and, and, and Brian Schottenheimer, they coach circles around them. Like the Jets were thoroughly, thoroughly outcoached on Sunday. And if anything, that's the biggest reason they lost by 20. It's not Zach Wilson. It's not the offensive line. It's the coaching staff. Now, we, we're, we're talking about all this different schematic stuff they can do. Mm-hmm. personnel stuff they can do yeah one thing they can't personnel and scheme their way around is zach wilson as their quarterback and until he proves us wrong until he starts either not losing games or winning games with his arm until that happens there's gonna be quarterback questions 
again, even though they got Aaron Rodgers because of this stupid team that we both like. So because of that, you've heard all sorts of options. Like I remember I'm even looking back on the, the post game stream from Monday night after Rodgers got hurt, like just oh. people weren't, they were just throwing names out. I mean, we probably had 30 different names thrown out. I got Jordan Tayamu tweeted at me today. <laughs> we had, we had Ben DiNucci uh, in the stream. Yep. I was so going in on like Kyler, I think at that point. Again, I still probably am in on Kyler if Rodgers can't play next year, but mm-hmm. that's neither here nor there. Uh, looking at the quarterback talk, we have to address one weird movement that's been percolating around NFL Twitter thanks to a certain Jets fan with a prominent voice, and that's Mike Greenberg. Nice guy, legend in the industry. He will not stop this Kirk Cousins. <laughs> we will not do it. It is not happening. He is very expensive. The Vikings offense is still very good. The division is bad. He's owed a ton of money. The Jets also can't trade their first or second round pick this year because even though it's eventually going to convey to the Packers because the conditions haven't officially been met yet, they can't do either of that. So I don't want to give up 2025 capital for a guy who was apparently a rental and wouldn't be here next year. None of it makes sense. That's my rebuttal of this. Justin, do you have anything to add specifically on Kirk Cousins? No, I mean, you're right. None of it makes sense. The Jets wouldn't do this and the Vikings wouldn't do it. Like there's, there's none of it, not, like nothing makes sense. And you pretty much hit on every reason why it doesn't make sense. I know the, the, the thought is, oh, if the Vikings are tanking, like if they're, if they're, first of all, they're not tanking, but if they're really bad, if the Vikings are, they don't win a game and they're like one and six at the deadline or whatever, then maybe they would consider trading Kirk Cousins. One, I don't think they would consider trading Kirk Cousins. Two, the Jets are not looking for any quarterback at that level. Like, that's just not what they're doing. Their plan is still Aaron Rodgers next year. And I know Cousins is a free agent at the end of the season, correct? correct I think he is, yeah. Yeah, Cousins is a free agent at the end of the season. Even still, the Vikings aren't moving on from him. The Jets are not looking to make that kind of a swing. If they do make any move at the deadline, it'll, it'll have to be Zach Wilson is so bad that he's unplayable. First of all, that'll have to be condition number one. And then condition two, it'll be some backup, like basically a fringe starter somewhere, whether it's a Gardner Minshew, a Jameis Winston, whatever. I can see them flirting with that market. I can't see them making a swing for Kirk Cousins. Again, not to mention, I don't know how financially they would make that work. I don't think it's feasible in any scenario. And I don't think either team has any interest in doing it. So I'm, I'm with you. Very silly. Now, I've been more in on the get a guy, not not Kirk Cousins, maybe call New Orleans about Jameis Winston because I think he's that kind of guy who he'll give you a chance. Big arm, veteran guy, he can move around a little bit. I think he could play within the system pretty well. I like Jameis Winston. I'm a Jameis Winston guy. Agreed. I think he could do fine with the Jets. But if they don't want to go that route, it seems like what they want to do is add one of those veteran, wandering Ronin journeymen. Not Chase Daniel, but I think Chase Daniel's the avatar of these guys who bounce around. They can pick up a play quickly. They ha- they're very accurate passers normally. I mean, you know all these guys. And uh, the Jets were in on two of them. Uh, Chad Henney and Kurt McCoy. Uh, Kurt McCoy, jeez. Oh. <laughs> I called him Kirk. Colt McCoy. Yes. Colt McCoy. Colt, the former University of Texas great. Uh, Henney is apparently not uh, coming out of retirement. It sounds like. So it looks like of those two, Colt McCoy would be the favorite. And I think Colt McCoy, number one, he's better than Tim Boyle right now. So I think you get an immediate upgrade at the backup spot. And also, if if Zach Wilson, now again, I know the expectations are low. And they're going to let him make mistakes. But if he's bad, like really bad, like unplayably bad, which could happen. I mean, New England, 
Every single year they play New England, they put him in a headlock. They they hit him with the people's elbow or whatever wrestling move is your preferred finisher every single year. Then they got to go play Denver, who looked terrible, but on the road, altitude, hungry team who's been losing, tough matchup. Kansas City, Kansas City's before Denver, excuse me, but Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes looked like he's getting a little bit back in a groove against the good Jacksonville defense. That Chiefs defense is very good. Chris Jones, Trent McDuffie, becoming one of the best young defensive backs in the game. And then Philly, I mean, you thought Micah Parsons gave this offensive line trouble? How about Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter and probably the best front four in the league? What do you think they're going to do to Zach Wilson? So it's entirely possible that he just completely collapses. The Jets can't deny that he's collapsing if it happens. They can't go, he's just around the corner. I don't want to see, actually the line was bad. I don't want to see, look at this throw he made when they were down 21-3. to that shows he can actually make plays. If that happens, get him out of there. And if they want to go put in a veteran to replace him, I like Colt McCoy. They're not going to win anything with Colt McCoy. But you know what? He comes in, and he's shown this with a bunch of different teams. Even if you take away the Cleveland stuff and they're trying to make him the franchise guy. With Washington, with Arizona, I think he was with the Giants for a while. Mm-hmm. Very, very accurate. He'll come in, and he'll immediately just get the ball to where it's supposed to be. They could probably trust him to audible based on what he sees post-snap because they just trust his football brain. Kind of mobile. I've seen Colt McCoy make a lot of plays on the move. I mean, it's obviously diminished from now because he's older, but he's still he's still got enough wiggle left in him where, like, if the pocket breaks down, you could see him escaping and making a throw. It's not Flacco. Of the options out there, I like Colt McCoy a lot. And if the buy comes around and Zach Wilson's terrible, I would not be I would not hesitate to throw him in there as a starter if he's that bad. McCoy seems like the most likely candidate right now. Like we've all, the only two quarterbacks that we know they are interested in per Diana Rossini is Chad Henney and Colt McCoy. I'm sure they're interested in others, but those are the only two we know that they've definitely reached out to. And like Mike mentioned, Chad Henney has basically said that he has no plans to come out of retirement. The latest we heard about McCoy is that he's weighing his options. Uh, remember, this is a guy who, as of what, and that sound like Chris Collinsworth. This is, this is a guy. Here's a guy who. <laughs> <laughs> here's a guy who was a starter in Arizona pretty much four weeks ago. Like he was basically a starter for the Cardinals before they traded for Josh Dobbs. I believe McCoy got hurt in some capacity and he's kind of been rehabbing that. And they also obviously decided to release him and roll with Dobbs and Clayton Toon. Uh, And he's kind of weighing his options right now, but he's a fine player. Like he is a fine backup. That's, that's what he is at this stage. I don't know how much mobility he's got left left. I mean, he's 37 years old at one point, I would have agreed with you and said, he's got some mobility. I think that's the one big thing you're giving up if you move from Zach Wilson to Colt McCoy is we saw in that Cowboys game, Wilson did a really good job of extending plays and making plays happen with his feet, which for all of his drawbacks as as a passer, he can still do that and be effective doing that as long as he slides, as long as he takes care of the ball, which he has done so far this season. So that's good. Take I think care that's, of the ball this season? As in so like in terms of fumbling, in terms of in terms oh, of like, fumbling, okay. Yeah, in terms of taking care of the ball, meaning like as a rusher, not as a passer. No, he, okay, he took, okay. I was about to say <laughs> no, he threw three interceptions last game. I know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's the one thing you're, you're you're missing if you move on from Zach. Right now, it's Zach Wilson's team. That's what the Jets have said, and I believe that's what they believe, you know, to their hearts. That's what they think. This is Zach Wilson's team. They're gonna give Wilson every chance to be the quarterback. They will only move on if he's so bad it's unplayable, which 
if that happens, I mean, it happened last year. It happened multiple times last year where they came to that conclusion and like, man, we can't play this guy. If they get to that point, I'm not even sure it would have to be like Jacksonville Jaguars levels bad, like in that Jags game. I don't even think it needs to be as bad as it was then for them to consider moving on. Because, what about New England in New England bad? Yeah, I don't even I don't even know if it needs to be that bad because those are two two of the worst quarterback games I've ever watched in my life. And I'm a Jets fan. <laughs> and I've watched a lot of really bad. I've watched Bryce, Bryce Petty play quarterback. Like I've seen some bad stuff. But I've seen – I watched not, not in the Jets, but I always point out Ryan Lindley as being one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen play. And he started I saw to, Ryan Lindley live against yeah. Greg McElroy. And he did. That was Lindley versus McElroy. Oh, my God. We watched like – McElroy. Lindley. Everybody's chanting. It's over Tebow. It was Ryan Lindley might be the worst quarterback ever to not start – not only start one playoff game, but to start two playoff games, which is – Almost, it's remarkable that that happened. He's a coach now, too, so at least he figured out yeah, where his talents are. I'm pretty sure he's a QB coach. I think you're right. We're going on a t- total tangent here. <laughs> no, he's the offensive coordinator at San Diego State. Good for him, man. Good he was a QB coach last year. Good for him. Anyway, um, but I, I I don't think it'll need to be that bad. I think that they will consider because this Jets team, like the Jets coaching staff, this, this organization, they know they have a really good roster. I know fans are kind of down on them after what we just saw against Dallas, but I still believe this is one of the best rosters in football, just like we believe that after week one. If Zach Wilson is not doing the job, they will make a move because as much as I don't think anybody's jobs are on the line at this stage, because obviously Aaron Rodgers got hurt in week one, you can't predict that to happen. It's hard to hold anybody accountable. If they lose like 13 games this year, we're going to have to have conversations because this roster is way too good to lose that many games. I know they're brutal. They have a brutal start to this schedule, but if we're talking about them losing 11, 12, 13 games, if they're not finishing even around 500, that's an issue because you had Zach Wilson as your quarterback last year and you still won seven games. And this is a better roster now. So I, I think that they won't let it get to that point where we're talking about anybody being on the hot seat. And I think if we're talking about, Hey, Zach Wilson still really, really sucks and they need a quarterback. I think they would not hesitate to make a move at the deadline, whether it is somebody like Gardner Minshew, whether it's someone like Jameis Winston. I don't know. I think it'd be I think it'd be somebody in that tier. For now, I think Colt McCoy makes sense as that, you know, experienced veteran backup that could come in, learn the system pretty quickly. I mean, he was in Washington for a while. He spent some time with Kyle Shanahan, I believe, in Washington. I believe they crossed over. And there's a lot of similarities between the Shanahan offense and and well, what, not quite. That was uh, McVay, though. Yeah, he was well, All right, similar enough. Similar. Yeah. Enough. When was when did Shanahan leave Washington? When did Colt McCoy get there? Uh, well, 2014 was his first year because his dad got fired. It was him and his dad, and then right. they fired Mike Shanahan, and then Jay Gruden came in after that. So Shanahan did cross over. Oh no, he didn't. Darn, just missed him by a year. Well, whatever. <laughs> McVay, like you said, there's still similarities with that offense. I'm sure Colt McCoy can pick up the the, the complex and complicated Nathaniel Hackett offense. Sooner, you know, I keep hearing that too. How complex, like, all right, Shanahan. If you said his offense is complex, I believe it. Yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah, sure, but like, how how is this hard? How is this? How is his offense hard? I don't know because it's not it's not creative. It's not complex. Oh, is he just one of those guys? Like, does he just throw all the Shanahan verbiage in it to make himself sound smart and he confuses people? I think they have a lot of like pre-snap checks and stuff. Like, I think that's that's part of it. Oh, pre-snap—that's where Zach Wilson thrives, obviously. So he's—I honestly, I think that is one of the areas that he's improved. I think he's improved pre-snap. We saw it with the the Garrett Wilson touchdown pass. I think he's gotten more confident in that area. It's just again with him, it's all mental. It's, See, it's maybe that's maybe that's why I keep getting fooled because I still don't know. I've said this before about Robert Sala. I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a very good liar. Like there are times yeah. when I hear all this Zach Wilson stuff, I'm like, all right, like you could think he's better, but 
the tone I get for him is he's trying to make it sound like everything is fixed, which, I mean, we saw him last year. We saw the Mike F and white t-shirts. Like we know that we know what this mostly the same roster generally thinks of him, but yeah, now, but, but where he could be getting fooled is he might generally genuinely be better pre-snap diagnosing things. And that's maybe where being around Rogers can help, but what's the old Mike Tyson cool. Everybody's got a plan until he get punched in the face. Like, Zach yeah. Wilson's got a plan until the pocket breaks down and then all that goes out the window. And he's backyard footballing and flipping and rolling and and same old Zach Wilson. You're right. And, hey, look, they're going to need him to be at his best if they're going to beat the Patriots, which will transition us into our next segment. After, after I give you a little word from our friends over at Caesars Sportsbook. Because Caesars Sportsbook is kicking off the NFL season kicking off it's week three but we're still kicking off the nfl season with a new bet fifty dollars get 250 dollars in bonus bets limited time offer new users new users can sign up with our code fsbets 20 get and redeem 250 dollars in bonus bets after placing your first wager of 50 dollars on any nfl game even if your first bet loses you will receive one 50 bonus bet credit each week over the next five weeks make sure to enter our code fsbets 20 get that is on the screen if you are watching on youtube it should be in like the bottom right corner Oops. While signing up to have a bet on Caesars every week for the start of the season, that's code FSBETS, uh, FSBETS20 GET, FSBETS20 GET. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check this episode in the description for the full terms of the offer. Mike, let's talk Patriots. Can the Jets finally defeat the Patriots this week? I'm not, I don't have high hopes for this. And this is not more Jets pessimism. It's actually maybe. New England optimism to a degree because, all right, look, full disclosure, uh, one, of my, one of my best friends from college is a Patriots fan. Used to be a Jets fan in 2013. Oh, how? Show how could you? Oh, dude, this guy sucks. I'm sorry. Big, no, no, no. <laughs> He's a subscriber. You watch it. Oh, sorry, guy. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, big, big Tom Brady fan. I mean, he likes Tom Brady more than I've ever liked anything in my life, and that's, oh, what, that's what did it. But, okay. uh, you know, I've – to be like, we're always talking about football. And if you would just listen to him, you'd think, oh, the sky is falling and Belichick needs to get out of here. And it's like, all right, 0 2 is 0 2. And you are what your record says you are. I get all that. Like, there are a lot of flaws with the Patriots. I don't love their receivers. I think Belichick's style is moving a little more towards outdated. I think Mac Jones is playing better, but I just don't love the juice they have around him. That might be fair. But if you look at their schedule, they're 0 2. They played the Eagles. The vaunted Eagles, Super Bowl finalists, NFC champions, everybody's scared of Eagles, and they almost beat them after being down a lot early. I mean, I believe after they went down 16 nothing, and then they hold them to what, like eight, nine points the rest yeah. of the game? I mean, they really locked in. I was very impressed with how they played week one. And then we discussed this earlier. They play Miami week two. Tua throws for 9,000 yards against the Chargers. He comes in. And he played pretty well early on, but that defense kind of clamped down. They had to really – they were driving in the fourth quarter, two-minute throw to try to win the game. They weren't getting blown out by any stretch of the imagination. So this is not one-in-one team at home versus 0-2 team. This is Zach Wilson facing an underrated defense that I still think is very good. It's Bill Belichick, just yeah. by virtue of having Bill Belichick and Gerard Mayo, who I think is going to be a head coach very soon. That defense is just going to – Give them some trouble. That that's just that's just what they do. Especially if, like Micah Parsons said, when Micah Parsons said, "When'd you know you were gonna have a great game?" and he said Monday, like he he didn't respect Zach Wilson. 
Dan Quinn did not respect his ability to throw the ball. If Bill Belichick does not respect your ability to throw the ball, you're going to be seeing six, seven, eight-man boxes all game long. Brees Hall is going to get 20 carries, but with that offensive line against that front seven and loaded boxes, the propensity for big breakout runs is probably going to be diminished a little bit. So, again, it feels kind of helpless analyzing parts of it too because so much of it is, well, if Zach Wilson plays well, then everything changes. And it's hard to make Zach Wilson play well, but this is pivotal. This is the biggest game of Zach Wilson's career by, by leaps and bounds. I agree. I think it's a really, really important game for the Jets. I know it's only week three, but they win this game. They're two and one and two and oh in a division. And they have that monkey off the back. They beat the Patriots. Like that's, I, it's not, it's at home. It's not in Foxborough, but they still have meet the Patriots in any capacity since 2015, since that overtime game winner that Eric Decker catch. So it's been a long, long time. I, I did myself a disservice and I just looked up Zach Wilson's career numbers against the Patriots because obviously I knew they were bad and I just wanted to, to see exactly what they were. In four games against the Patriots, Zach Wilson, of course, is 0-4, 51% completion percentage, two touchdowns, seven interceptions, a 50.6 quarterback rating. He's been sacked 11 times. Oh, the, com- the completion percentage is higher than his passer rating. It is. It actually I never see is. that. Oh, it's bad, man. It's bad. Now, to uh, be I, fair, I, one of the ones he got hurt in the middle of it. Yes. The yes, second one, true. but that is true. Yes. I mean, it, they're still eye bleedingly bad. Right. And we know Bill Belichick picks apart young quarterbacks. That's always been his thing. And for as much as I think he's really struggled as a talent evaluator in the draft and in, and I think as a general manager, whatever you want to label him as, he's he's not done a really good job in, in recent years. He's still a defensive mastermind and one of the best defensive coaches in the NFL. And that's why this Patriots defense, I mean, I, I think they have some really good pieces on it. Like Matt Judon is fantastic. Christian Barmore is really, really good. I love the Christian Gonzalez pick. I think he's been really, really good. I was so furious when... When he fell there, I'm like, ow! I know. How'd you they, let this happen? They have a lot of, they do have some good pieces, but if you compare that defense to like some of the other top defenses, talent wise, it's not, it's not on par. Like even the Jets defense, it's not, it doesn't touch the Jets defense in terms of pure talent. But Belichick does absolutely maximize his players, and I expect nothing, nothing different against on, on Sunday. And I expect him, like you said, to not respect Zach Wilson at all until Zach Wilson can earn his respect. Until the Jets' offense can show that, hey, you don't have, like, you can't stack the box on us because we will be able to pass the ball on you. We do have Garrett Wilson at wide receiver, and we can maximize our our, our passing ability. Until they prove they can do that, Belichick's not going to respect it, and he's going to try and take away the running game as much as he can. I mean, if Nathaniel Hackett doesn't beat him to it first, like that's honestly, like, I don't know. I expect the, the Patriots to come out and sell out against the run, but I, I honestly have no faith that that Hackett and the Jets offense would even try and maximize their running game to begin with. Um, but if the Jets are going to have any success, as we talked about earlier, it's going to be that they're going to have to feed Brees Hall, like feed your playmakers, get the ball in Brees Hall's hand, get the ball in Garrett Wilson's hand, run everything that we talked about before about fixing the offense. They need to do this week against the Patriots because this defense is, is really, really good on paper. The Jets have a better team than the Patriots like this. This is a better team on on paper, even if ignoring the quarterback, even with quarterback, I would say that this is a better Jets team, but it's not going to matter if they get out coached like they did against Dallas. I also looked up Mac Jones numbers against the Jets. And obviously he he's well. 4-0. Yeah, he does pretty well, I think. 73% completion. Yeah. 933 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, pass rating of 97.6. Like really again, again, one of those games, admittedly, was the game where they won 10 to 3 and the points came on the punt returns. So we didn't score in one of those games. Right. So you gotta 
you got to factor that in. That's what led to, I didn't let the defense down was, was that because the defense held him in check there. But even with Matt Patricia, who uh, Maddie P brain, I've heard a call. I only do that because whenever the Patriots lose big, I go on the W E E I post game show and just listen to the angry callers. Oh, that's fun. It's that, quite funny and that is really fun. It, it's not as good this year. They're less angry this year. They're more apathetic now, but last year they were furious and, yeah. uh, Maddie brain for Matt Patricia got thrown around quite frequently, and it was very funny. Honestly, I normally would hate that, but I Patricia kind of doesn't seem like the greatest guy. Like he's kind of seems like he's kind of a dick. Like kind I don't of know. a that's, nozzle, a little. That's bit. the vibe I've gotten with Patricia. So maybe it's not the worst thing. But now they got an actual offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, and the offense has sputtered. I think at points, but the passing game looks much better. I thought Mac was very good against the Eagles. I thought he did all he could in some adverse situations against the Dolphins. I think he's getting the ball out quick. I like his accuracy. Like, Mac Jones is not an amazing quarterback prospect. I don't think he's, like, a great athlete, too. But if you just want him just, you know, three-step drop, boom, ball out, ball gets there accurately. And he's and arm strength-wise, it's not amazing, but it's certainly – I think slightly – I think it's an average, maybe a little above average. Like he, he could sling it a little bit when they let him. So all of that – why am I saying all that? Well, because the Jets just let the Cowboys go 31 of 38 and march down the field for these big, long drives. If they play that same defense this week, Mac Jones is happily going to take all those checkdowns because that's how we beat him the last couple times. So mm-hmm. I know that might that might go against Salah's system – and again, the system worked well last year and it worked well against the Bills, so you don't want to tinker with it too much, but you can't be that passive. Because I think unlike Dallas, who had uh, C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup and Brandon Cooks didn't play with whatever Brandon Cooks, like they had receivers who you had to worry, even Tony Pollard being split out wide sometimes. like They had vertical threats over the top. New England has Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne and... Juju, like decent receivers, but just weird fits. That's the thing. It's weird fits. I don't really see like a bunch of roles over there. So why am I saying all that? Be aggressive on defense. If you don't get at least one, probably two takeaways, I don't think you're winning this game. Because that's just where I think Wilson's going to be, Zach Wilson. I'm not expecting much from the passing game, so you got to get some positive plays on the defensive end. And that's how this Jets defense is supposed to be built. Like Robert Sala had a vision for this Jets defense. He And this is the same vision he had in San Francisco that worked so well. He imagined an attacking 4-3, an attacking front that got after the quarterback and forced teams in the third and long situations where they could just basically trust their corners in man defense or trust their secondary with, with fewer guys dropping into coverage and just let their pass rushers go to town. Like that is exactly how they envisioned this defense. And that's not at all the defense that we saw against Cowboys. It was the defense we saw against the Bills, but it was not at all the defense we saw against Dallas. And if the Jets are going to have any success on defense against the Patriots, they're going to have to get after the quarterback. I also looked up Matt Jones' stats as well. And in four games, he's been sacked 16 times against the Jets. That's an average of four per game. So they've had plenty of success sacking Matt Jones. Like you said, he's not the mobile guy, the most Mm -hmm. mobile guy. I don't think this Patriots offensive line is amazing. It's not bad, but they have some weaknesses. I do think Trent Brown is going to play. I don't. I think he missed last week. That's pretty big because he did practice today. Otherwise, they would have had basically two backup tackles. Like they have Calvin Anderson, who I don't know how many Jets fans remember this. That's a former Jet, Calvin Anderson. Who was he at Texas too? Is that the guy I'm thinking of? Maybe 
he went to yeah wow for one year he was at rice then he went to texas yeah how's that for a poll how about that Calvin anderson who originally signed with the patriots as an undrafted free agent was claimed by the jets and then waived at the end of the preseason so that's that's that calvin anderson who started what like 10 games in his career he's the right tackle they can beat him they can get after this patriots offensive line they can get after mac jones and i definitely need to see the jets do that this week and really kind of put last week behind them because it was a disappointing showing for the defense against the, the Cowboys. And I think a lot of it was they got out coached, but the pass rush was really disappointing. They did not. They had what one, one sack, two sacks of Dak Prescott. They weren't getting consistent pressure on him for most of the game. And I know a lot of it was the Cowboys were getting the ball out as quick as they could, but this Jets pass rush needs to do better. Like they, they need to do better. That's the strength of this defense and they need to show up against the Patriots. If you're asking me about a prediction right now, uh, Sorry, Jets fans. I think I'm going to go New England 17, Jets 13. I think it's going to be another slog. Again, I think the running game will be better if for no reason else than I think they'll commit to it. Is that what you predicted? It would not surprise me if I saw a two to one rush to pass ratio. That would not surprise me. I feel like you predicted 17 13 last week. Didn't you? Am I I making that up? I just had the Cowboys getting 20, I think. It was 20 13 you predicted? Yeah, I don't think the Jets' defense will be that bad two weeks in a row, especially against the downgraded quarterback. But, I, I mean, now that I've seen what Zach Wilson can kind of put on tape, and, again, the offensive line might be better next week. The issues are not going away. And we could say, oh, well, you know, Zach Wilson didn't get as much blame as he should or the other way around that he got blamed too much. I mean, offensive line is still going to let some guys through. There's still going to be Zach Wilson plays under pressure. And he was, what, 2 of 13 under pressure last week? Two of th- I know he's under pressure. Didn't Baker Mayfield go sixteen of twenty under pressure last week with the Bucks? Like you can, you, it's possible you Baker's can balling. complete passes under pressure. It's not impossible. So Baker, Baker's balling as a side note. Baker Baker's is ball. Good for Baker, man. Good for <laughs> Baker, especially after he got kind of short change with Nasty Man in Cleveland. I'm I'm happy that he found a home. But uh, yeah. getting back to Zach Wilson, there's a path to improvement, and I think there's a path to. The offense as a whole protecting him better. Mm-hmm. Bad couple weeks to test it against, man. Possibly it's the tough. worst guy to test it against. It's t- I mean, going back-to-back Cowboys defense, Patriots defense for Zach Wilson is is not easy. It's not easy for the whole Jets team. I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna get my prediction as well. Man, I just want to end on a positive note. So I'm gonna say the Jets win. I I just I want to balance out the pessimism, and I will say that the Jets. Go into MetLife, go into JetLife Stadium. Because if they beat the Patriots at home, I'm calling it JetLife Stadium. That's it. Like, they beat the Bills at home, they beat the Patriots at home, it's JetLife Stadium. That's it. Like, I'm going to call it that for the rest of I guess of- we got to wait till the Giants game to really settle that. But, yeah. I, I like Brian and Chat saying 1916 Jets. I'm going similar. I'm going to say 1613 Jets. And I think Austin Seibert still still kicks. I'm just going to say Zerline misses this week again. And Austin Seibert gets a 50 yard game winner calling it that is my prediction okay. if it happens i need this to blow up on twitter i need this to go everywhere that's exactly you should know though that justin's only one and one with the picks and i'm two and oh so are you oh why because i picked the bills track. week one you didn't i picked the jets to beat the bills you didn't so who's keeping track who's actually counting i'm not counting well so. i am that's who <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it would have been easy to say loss i want to go the opposite i want to say the opposite of what you said that's part that's honestly part of partially what is motivating me. Right, I'm so. going to break my own heart. Josh Curran chat saying, Justin, you're going to break your own heart. Oh, it's yeah. broken already. Don't worry. Ben. Yeah. I mean, look, it's already broken. I'm not oh, going to just play four plays and tear his Achilles. That broke it. It was broken before that, man. The Jets broke my heart long before that. It was remended um, and then broken again. 
honestly, you're right. You're right. But that's that's gonna be my prediction. Let's say, I mean, maybe I'll be wrong. I could be wrong by Friday if they cut Austin Cyber. Like <laughs> Greg Zerline might be kicking in that game. I don't know, but that's what I'm saying. Let's let's hope I'm right. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, let's hope for a two and one Jets team when you join us in the post game show, which will happen around four o'clock when the game ends. Enjoy this one o'clock kickoff. You get so little of them this year because. They thought that they would have a certain quarterback for primetime games, and now that that's gone, the 1 o'clock games are limited, but we got one this week, so check us out there after the game. And then right back here on Wednesday uh, next week before we preview the Kansas City Chiefs game, which I don't know, that's going to be one of the football games of all time. I'll say that much. So you can find us between those dates on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts. We're on all the sites. We are also on YouTube and TikTok at the Jet Press. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Again, not for our egos, strictly for the business end of things to get us up those review charts. Take us home, Justin. Yes, sir. Before I go, Mike, I don't, I don't even think I told you about this. A little teaser. I'm not going to say who, but there might be a cool interview happening next week. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not okay. sure. Maybe, maybe it'll be up on the site. Maybe. We'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll tell you after the show. What are you, Dan was... Rather all of a sudden? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at ByMikeLuciano. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow Jet Press at The Jet Press. You can download Jet Press Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, check us out on YouTube, TikTok. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. You guys know what to do. We stream live every, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time and live immediately following every Jets game. Thank you all for joining us on the show today. I've been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. We'll see you guys next time. See you folks next week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.